Welcome to House of Agents. And now, here's your hosts, Tessa and Ramon. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the House of Agents podcast. We are your hosts, Ramon, Ramon, and Tessa Bella. Oh, and um, today we are talking about the 21 unbreakable rules of money. Now, I personally love this list. We actually both, I think, share a love for this list. Um, and we're going to run through somewhat rapid fire, but we do want to definitely talk on all of these. We're going to relate them, especially back to real estate. But I always think it's really important to have like a set of standards, rules, sort of um, expectations and just guidelines that you follow. And I think that that definitely lends well, especially to finances, because a lot of times people just go out there sort of free balling it, <laughs> hoping for the best uh, yeah. and, you know, without much structure you know, it's a little hard to stay within the lines and get yourself closer to those goals. So before I jump into rule number one, anything you want to say? Nope. Um, not much. <laughs> uh, but awesome. then I, then I usually say something. Yep. Um, is there a reason you rolled my rolled the R today? Is it because um, we were in Mexico? <laughs> it could have been because we were in Mexico. I was just getting back with your roots, you oh, know? Oh, thank you. Well, I, actually we found out that I'm not as, uh, Mexican American as my name sounds, but Ramon. Yeah. I won't do an ancestry.com thing though. Yeah. So we'll fig- right. maybe one day we'll figure it out. Okay. So with that, on that note, we'll dive right into rule number one, which is 70, 20, 10. Live on 70% of your income, invest 20% and give 10% through tithing or to charity. I think it depends on obviously whatever like phase of your life you're in, but I mean, especially speaking to newer agents who are younger, like literally younger, physically younger, um, I would probably try to live off of like 30% yeah. and, and invest literally 70%. Sure, if you want to, you know, donate and share, all that's all good. But um, I think that as much as you can possibly invest up front because of just like the compounding interest effect, um, you know, appreciation over time, like especially buying real estate. I think that's huge. But again, I think having a set amount of money that you hold for investments was probably the most important part about that equation, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely a big proponent of like giving and tithing, especially. I think that that's important. And uh, it's like we talked about, I think, in the last episode, even of the things you do uh when you have less becomes the things that you do when you have more like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything so that part i definitely agree with but i would definitely lean closer to your numbers as far as trying to live on a lot less than 70 percent and know that that's going to make it much easier and better for you in the future especially if you know you can i think it's easier when you're younger too to like live a little bit more sparingly than maybe uh in the future so take that Uh, for wherever you are, I guess, in your own experience. But uh, regardless, it is great to have a set percentage of where your income goes each time you get a check. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, we did talk about all this too. We broke down exactly how to to move your money around, how to have the checkings, the business account, where to save it. Yeah. We did do an episode on that. That was in one of our our episodes. I think it was called like money management or something like that. 
Yeah. So for whoever's listening, I think listen to the 70-20-10 and then adjust those numbers a little bit according to your current situation. Um, But use that as a great standard whenever a commission check comes in is, okay, I know before I even get that check in my hands, because we all know when we get a nice commission check in our hands, sometimes that can get a little exciting and all of a sudden those percentages are out the door and 100% is going to the club or whatever, uh, as Ramon shared in the last episode. Um, So I think having those kind of percentages is a great way to just make sure that you're setting yourself up for success, that you don't stay on that commission hamster wheel just constantly chasing, you know, the next step. So number two, rule number two is that if you can't buy something with cash, don't buy it with credit other than a car or a home. It's so funny because on our previous topics where we talk a lot about money management, like I've said this and I'll say it again. If you don't have it in cash and you're paying for it in your credit card, you cannot afford it. Like if you have $10,000 and then you have in cash and you have $10,000 in credit card debt, you literally cannot afford anything. Yeah. Like don't. So that's a great rule of thumb. If you can't buy it in cash, don't buy it except for real estate. Real estate or instead of car as well, which again, to yeah, be, to yeah, be you, debated. <laughs> yeah, to be debated. But again, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. But especially yeah. in the real estate part, obviously in vehicles um, can be great tax write-offs. Um, especially when you start getting into those good years. But yes. yeah, for sure. I agree 100% with that. I do too. And I think that it can also be a fun way to, uh, this is one thing I've always done is I use it as like an incentive when there's something I want. For instance, my car that I bought last year uh, or two years, I don't even remember, a year 2021. ago. Okay, thank you. Um, when I bought that, like I could have afforded it earlier, but I gave myself this challenge that I was going to earn additional income in the total amount of the cost of the vehicle. And then I did end up still financing a portion of that because it helps my credit. So um, I use it though, like as a little bit of an incentive to make sure that you have that to cover it. All right. Rule number three is never have more than six months of living expenses in cash. Yeah. I mean, you know, in theory, you have too much cash, right? And you just don't know what to do with it. That'd be great. Um I think that you can, depending on who you are, like everyone has a different risk tolerance, mm-hmm. but I can say this, and we said this, I think it was literally on the last podcast was that it, my mind changed about money in the bank. They used to make me feel secure. I used to like to open it up in the morning and look at it. Like I liked knowing it was there until I started realizing that the longer it sits in that bank of America account, yeah. the, 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 it decreases in value. Like literally it's losing value as it's sitting there. So everyone's going to have their own, you know, what makes them feel safe and, you know, more expenses you have and more kids or whatever it is that you are like wanting to have that safety net, obviously adjust accordingly. But I think the point being is that just you got to get out of the mindset that cash in the bank is some type of security for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I remember having like previous vision boards and like journals and stuff where I was manifesting my future. And I was like, I love waking up and seeing like, 10 million dollars in my bank account when i check it in the starbucks drive-thru or whatever i'm like that is just not uh not super realistic and just not a smart way to do it really so um i definitely agree with this i I think that number is a bit flexible because like you said um choose the number that makes you feel secure and i think it may vary also depending on how many like dependents you have and what kind of situation you and your family or whoever are in um but yeah i think keeping your money in motion much more than just keeping it sitting there in the bank and i'm also a big fan of high yield savings accounts um, even though right now they're not quite as beneficial, it's definitely better than 
uh, sitting in a traditional bank. So that's a great place to t tuck away like a six month little nest egg or six, 12 months, sure. a little extra to have in there as well. All right. Rule number four. <laughs> this one's a good one. Uh, don't waste money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it's funny because you mentioned this the other day to me. You're like, it's so funny how you're quick to spend on oh my certain gosh. things and then other things you're like literally a penny pincher. Well, you just Yeah, have guys, he's he's ready to drop $300 on what's it called? A rucksack? Rucksack? Rucksack. Rucksack. Yeah, I have to go which rucking. Which is just, uh, I don't even know what that means, but it's just like a heavy backpack. I mean, in you know, for the broad broader audience, yes. Okay. Um, but yes, I did. I did give him a little bit of flack because he was so ready to order that. In fact, maybe already did, um, versus like other little things he doesn't want to order. doesn't want to order DoorDash because of the $20 delivery or something. Yeah. Well, look, this is, this is how like, you'll always pay for things that you find value in. Um, but I think the point being there is that like, uh, don't waste money is like literally a lot of times we will just waste it for the sake of wasting it like yeah. we know that there's a cheaper option but we'll take the you know the easier route or the more convenient route and that's fine and all but it's just like you got to look at when you put dollars out of there it's like what is the value you're getting back and sometimes we're literally putting dollars out and getting zero value back yeah. for it yeah i think that the don't waste money is obviously a very like no duh kind of statement yeah, no shit. <laughs> um but it, it is good to keep yourself in check a little bit and just take account for like not being the person who has so many of those auto subscriptions or you signed up for way too many free trials and now all of a sudden they're like recurring 20, 17, 47 dollar charges, you know, on your card. Those things definitely start to add up. Uh, it goes back to that saying that you always share, which is shavings make a pile. Yeah. Definitely does come into play here. So my biggest suggestion on that one would be to set a specific um, day like each month or at least once a quarter that you go back and review your uh, transactions. I personally would do it much more often than that. I like to do that monthly, but having a good grasp on like where you're spending money. And also it's good to like stare that in the face and be like, okay, wow, I, it's, I had a lot of careless spending last month. You know what I mean? And you can kind of reel it in or set yourself on a new little goal. For so, sure. all right. Um, rule number five is to uh, not spend money based on emotion. Mm sort of similar tone but yeah don't spend money based on emotion um i think that's hard when you're making especially large purchases business transactions things of that nature um buying vehicles like you might have an emotional attachment that you want this thing and you're yeah. like thinking about this feeling you're gonna have once you have it but then you have to be realistic on can you actually afford it or not and so i think what that's saying is like is is again i i think one of the common themes that he, I, I hear is short-term a delayed short-term gratification. Yep. Um, and emotionally, we can almost talk ourselves into anything. Um, and so I, I agree with that. I mean, it's hard to actually remove it out of the equation, but uh, one thing that's always helped me is when I'm really excited about something, I just give it a night of sleep. Yeah. And then if I still feel that same fire I felt the night before, I'll probably end up pulling the trigger. But eight times out of 10, I, uh, yeah. I don't the next day. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think giving yourself that time window is important. And then also this, like this goes for all types of emotions. Cause I know some people also, you know, whether it's a, let's say you're sad or frustrated, heartbroken, whatever, you know, you may have a vice that's shopping or drinking or whatever. Those are things that you're yeah. spending emotion based or spending, you know, money based well, off of an emotion that I'll came give up. You an, an example too. And then we'll move on to the next one real quick, but it's like, like 
luxury sales or high-end goods like high ticket items like this could be everything from a nice watch a vehicle like an expensive plane right like whatever it is like plane to get like a ticket right mm -hmm. jet or if it was like on delta one or whatever everything that you do in that category high-end sales are so you're sold on emotion and you justify it with logic mm -hmm. right and so but there is there's truth to that so it's like if you wanted the new range rover i just came out it's freaking sick um <laughs> you would say, I want it like physically. I'd love to be driving. It looks so cool. I'll get more clients, whatever you tell yourself. Right. But then no, legitimately, if you can take that first year's that purchase price and that right off in that first year, like don't just think that, but actually run the numbers and mm -hmm. see what your actual tax savings would be. And then weigh that's, you know, weigh that, right. Yeah. Not just go purely off of, Oh my God, you know, I want to keep up with the, the rest of the, the, the real, Joneses. the real estate ballers out yeah. there. I need to get a new whip. So when I pull up to the association, people know who show like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what, I mean, let's just all get real. You think about like what you pull up and it's all good, but just take it a step further and make sure you're able to justify it with real logic. Yeah. I love that. All right. Rule number six is when investing your money, do your due diligence. Um, I can tell you from firsthand experience <laughs> on this. I've made really good investments in my short career thus far. I've made some ones that are a little questionable. Um, and it all came back down to like, you just, there's always more than meets the eye and not everyone is doing as good as they say they are. Ugh. Um, and, and I know that's like, again, like, yeah, no <laughs> shit. Right. But like, when you're investing, um, just take that extra time to dot your I's and cross your T's, ask questions. And, you know, honestly, my other experience with this outside of like the stock market has been, you know, you're probably your best investment is in the things that you're doing. I've yeah. put some money with other people and made some and I got I've made money, lost money in it. But at the end of the day, I look back and I go, you know what? I should have just took that and invested what I'm doing. 100%. So just you know my own experience but yeah yeah, yeah i think that that saying that goes you know if it sounds too good to be true it probably is <sighs> it's definitely a very true one um i think always do your due diligence and then i mean ultimately it does come down to kind of your risk tolerance and how much you were willing yep. to to go all into but i would definitely second that in it, most cases more often than not had you taken those funds and invested it in either something that you had some element of controlling that controllable or at least something that you understood more thoroughly it probably would have yielded a higher return for and, you and just because people with money or people you admire will in whatever capacity are doing it doesn't doesn't mean skip the due diligence like yes. that's if you think this well, it's a quick tangent but like bernie madoff one of the it's like with the biggest ponzi scheme in the world do you know how many people just took the word of somebody else and gave this guy like a million bucks five mm -hmm. million bucks ten million fifty million dollars at a time and it was all because there was social proof, right? Yeah. Oh, well, Tessa invested in this. Like, you know, I would do it too, right? Yeah. And so, so many times, whether you know it or not, you do make investments and in, in you, whether it's time or money into things because other you see other people yeah. that are successful doing it. Um, and so again, just don't skip as simple as it says, do yeah. not skip your own due diligence. And ask, yeah, ask lots of questions. I think as, um, questions get asked. So in, in the example you just gave of somebody you trust invested in that or did that before you, they may have done their own set of due diligence, but you may ask those same questions sure. in a different way that you get a little bit more insight or you may get just a different answer because things have changed. And so it's always, always good to not like shortcut that process. Yep. Agreed. 
All right. Rule number seven, think four generations in the future before you spend or invest your money. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot Four generations. <laughs> I got to be honest. I think that it obviously makes sense. Like, and I, I think maybe not necessarily like four, there's a hard stop or a hard start at four generations, but yeah, I have to ask if you know, at four generations, will anyone even remember you existed? Probably not just being real. Uh, but I think the point being though, is that when you're making large investments um, and whatever large is to you, um, it's just really like extending your time horizon. And I think we talked about that before about, you know, if you're thinking about dollars today or tomorrow, you know, th- is, if you extend your time horizon, a lot of the investments you maybe are questioning mm-hmm. will make more sense as you extend that horizon. So I get, I think it's a little personally, <laughs> I think that's a little over-exaggerated, yeah. but um, extending your time horizon when making investments, I think is key to understanding the value of and the compound effect of appreciation interest. And we're talking about real estate, obviously, yeah. but yeah, I, I agree with it. The concept, not maybe that. Yeah, I would say I interpret this more as just like think, think about, um, you know, obviously we don't want to spend with our emotions, but we do want to have some degree of emotional tie that we think about the other people who may be impacted by sure. those purchases or investments. Love so that. again, whether that's kids, spouses, Harley, our dog, you know, yeah, whatever, seriously. just thinking a little bit more beyond just your own, you know, win or loss in that yeah. scenario. Um, rule number eight is to never carry a credit card balance unless it's at 0%. I'm going to start this one off and just say, I don't fully agree with that. Obviously that's like a ideal scenario. Um, I think that's a great thing to work towards and strive towards, but I don't think that that's fully realistic for a lot of people listening. And so I just want to jump to the jump to it at that one. What I do think is really important is that you're aware of the percentage that you owe on the money that you are on the balance that you are holding um, on a card or for a loan or things like that, especially if you have any sort of like personal loan or whatever it may be. Uh, that kind of thing is really important. And I think real estate agents of all people should understand more than anyone like what you're paying for that debt. Yeah. Um, but just being aware of that is super, super important. And obviously, you know, if you want to continue to improve your credit worthiness and your credit score and your credit accessibility, you're going to have a much easier time doing so the lower you keep that uh, held balance. So I always strive to keep mine. Uh, honestly, the goal is below 3%. Um, 10% or more is kind of like a happy medium, but work towards keeping that where you're not just holding these big balances that you carry over all the time. I think that one, it's just the principle of a certain amount, like you said, um, because it's a slippery slope, right? Like first you start carrying a thousand mm-hmm. and then, and I've been there, like you get comfortable with a thousand then you're like, Oh, what's well, two life doesn't change that much. Actually, nothing changes three, four, five, 10, 20. Next yeah. thing you know, your bills at your $25,000 on that card. And yeah, when that interest payment hits at you, that 24.99%. Oh ooh, yeah. It's a lot of yikes. Dough. Yeah. Yikes. So, um, I think it's just, don't get too comfortable leaving those balances because yeah. it's a slippery slope and you can easily get caught up where you're upside down. Oh yeah. Way more debt, less cash, and, you know, if your business is kind of slow, I mean, that's not a good position to be in no. at any point, but much less, you know, you're a couple months of no income away from a problem. Yeah, 100%. So. All right. Rule number nine, never have all of your money in one account. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, obviously you 
probably want to diversify where you put your cash. I've been there where I, not, I shouldn't say I had one account, but I had like a main account that had all the dough in it. Yeah. Yeah. Big mistake. Because the other thing too is you don't really get a good understanding of like that, you know, if you had $100,000 in an account, like you don't really have a good understanding of that. It says a hundred, but really X amount of that is for taxes. There's yeah. payroll tax and everything you pay yourself. You, you know, you're, you got a rental property you want to buy and the fee, it's 20,000 down. Like you just, you want to split it out. But I think what is, what that 21 rules, uh, was the number what? Number 10? Nine. Number nine is also saying is just diversify your money, right? Mm-hmm. Like put it in other, and, and remember cash in physical cash is not gaining any value. So move it around, but just don't pile it all into one and say, yeah, look how much cash I have. Yeah. hundred percent. That kind of brings to the, to rule number 10 is very similar, but it's never have all of your money in just one investment. And then in parentheses, we have, unless it's your first deal, which still you don't want to have a hundred percent of your money in that necessarily. But I understand the notion of like, sometimes you got to really put a bit more skin in the game up front on that first one. But I definitely agree with not having it in all one investment. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, my personal opinion is like, I think with that said, I I mean, you really just can't go wrong with real estate. I mean, I got to be like, it's, it's a hard asset. It gets more valuable over time. Statistic, any statistic that's out there in the world will show you that if your time horizon is long enough, you will make money on that investment. I've personally cleared out my checkings account to like, I think I said this on the last like a hundred bucks on a real estate purchase. Good, good property came up. I bought it. Now I have money other places. Like I was like, you know, eating ramen noodles for uh, a month on end. Ramen noodle. (laughs) Well, for like a month though, you know what I mean? Like not a day is fine, but a month, no, but I wasn't doing that. However, like you just can't lose investing in real estate. So I would say, obviously don't put yourself in a like financial hardship investing in something, but don't be afraid mm-hmm. to take a big swing in an asset class you understand. Yes. Um, yes. Do not take an all-in position on cryptocurrency unless you are a freaking expert. Yeah. And even the experts get burned sometimes, oh, yeah. right? So again, with real estate, I think that it is okay to go all in on it. Um, just don't put yourself in a in a financial um, situation you're not going to be happy with. Yeah. That was um, one note, which probably, I guess, goes to that. And maybe the one about doing your due diligence too, is that like oftentimes an investment is going to take much longer for it to like yield a return that's really satisfactory than you probably think, or maybe were sold on. So taking that into consideration too, very, very rarely, if ever, is there something that you're, well, I shouldn't say if ever, but very, very rarely is there something you're putting your money in and making like a massive return in a very short turnaround time. Okay. So that's definitely important to consider. Um, next is never spend more than you can truly afford. I think we already kind of talked on this, yeah. but that's definitely just, again, reviewing your finances frequently being aware of that, not spending yeah. your money before you make it, not counting your chickens before they've hatched or whatever that phrase is, uh, is super, super crucial. And it's easy, I think, especially for agents to fall into that hole. Yeah. Don't count those pending so the ink dries. Um, but on that note too, I just, this isn't, this isn't like a formula or anything, but like, I got to argue that, you know, when you're spending too much, like, yeah. you like, I know when there's something I'm buying or I bought and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I should have done that. Right. Yeah. You know. And so f- follow your gut instinct, man. When you know it's probably too much or it makes you uncomfortable, unless it's a, a appreciating asset, like real estate, like second guess yourself on that. Follow yeah. your gut, you yeah. know. 
Um, all right, 12. I love this one, and I've definitely fallen victim to it before, is to not spend money solely to impress others. Mm. I think most people in life, or at least I would like to think so, can admit to one time or more, you know, where they bought something that was uh, much more based on, like, maybe what other people would or would not think of them if they did or didn't buy it. Uh, and it's just foolish. I think that when you fall into that kind of thing, small or big, like whether you like it or don't like it, it becomes irrelevant because you're just trying to please the masses and kind of like look cool or impress others. It, it does not last long. That is not truly fulfilling or satisfactory. And it is only going to end up putting you in typically not a great place. Yeah. I mean, and people that you're actually trying to impress usually don't give a shit about what yeah. you're thinking they care about. Yeah. Your new Gucci um, belt. They yeah, couldn't they care less. <laughs> do not care. Actually, Damon John has a funny, uh, if you guys have looked it up on YouTube, he's talked about his getting around really wealthy people for the first time. He had all these diamond chains, spinning <laughs> entourage, bodyguards, and he started getting around people with real money and they're, they look like a, like a yeah. normal, complete, no clothes, like just plain Jane and these guys are worth like 10x what he and he felt he said in that moment he felt stupid yeah. like he felt like okay I'm not doing this right but the other the other thing that I would say on that is I thought about this the other day and it's I don't know it might come off the wrong way to some people but I think it's the truth is that when you're starting off and I'd say up until like you're maybe 40 years old like nobody really expects you to have a shitload of money yeah that's like nobody true. really I mean that's like you might have this, like especially in the entrepreneur space, like you feel like you're such a loser if you're not clearing seven figures passively a month. Like, and don't get me wrong, there's people out there doing that for sure. Most of them are full of shit, but there are people that are really doing that. Yeah, for, absolutely. But when you get into older age, like people then expect you to have assets, to yeah. have money, to be financially set. So just know, like, by trying to fake it early on, like you're setting yourself up to not have it and like the unfortunate part of life well i wouldn't say unfortunate but just the reality is that like your time runs out like you don't have the runway you have if you have a 30-year runway right now of yeah. investments you're gonna get to the end of that 30 and you don't have there's no like that's that house to buy it's not gonna matter you're gonna yeah. be dead in years. yeah it sounds kind of like uh cynical it's a little but, morbid but it I is mean, it's the truth so though. true yeah so it's like don't don't get caught up trying to fake it Right, right, and 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 exhaust your runway, and then next thing you know, you're out of it. Yeah, because people don't expect you to have a ton of assets and crazy passive income and be financially free and set when you're in that time frame. But later on in life, they do. So just yeah. don't 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 get don't get caught up in that. It's a very good point. If you want to become a better agent, there's only one place to do it, and that is BAMX. Everyone tells you what to do, but BAMX shows you how to do it. Whether it's creating the perfect green screen video, overcoming objections, or creating scroll-stopping captions, BAMX has it. Click the link below and use the code HOA for 10% off your yearly subscription at checkout. All right, next one is um, number 13. Make sure the reward always outweighs the risk. Yeah, I think that just comes from a, a, uh, a value perspective, right? Like what's the risk I'm taking and the value I'm getting back for it. Now, this could be from an investment that you hope pans out. It can be from something you purchased that you're going to utilize for, you know, like if you buy a really expensive camera because you're going to start a YouTube channel, it's like, okay, well, what's that four or $5,000 investment into that piece of equipment? 
and then what's the reward that I would get for for like for that investment, right? Like what's the outcome potentially? I think if you just weigh value, like so that's why a lot of times just buying the better shit, especially when it's assets, is usually a better route to go than going cheap. But um, that one's an interesting one. I think it's kind of like a again a no, little bit of a no a little brainer. Bit of a given, yeah. But you know, uh, I think on that one, don't invest anything you're not willing to lose. Yes. Or cannot afford to lose. I think that's a very, because regardless of what the reward is, if you literally can't lose it, if you're going to go down, if you lose it, yeah, then that's a problem. Yeah, probably not a great, a great thing to. Yeah. All right. Rule number 14. I love this one is treat your money as if you worked hard for it, even gifts and investments. And what it made me think of is actually this TikTok that I saw the other day. And it was this girl who was talking about she was like, I don't know why every time I return something, I feel like that was free money now that I get to go spend. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, just return something to Target. Now I just got an extra like $50 when really so that funny. was mine that I spent the first time. Uh, and I've definitely felt that before. Like I just returned some stuff to Amazon the other day. Now my Amazon account has a little $70 credit on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how nice of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think on the, I've never, I've returned, actually I returned my first items ever in my life um, with you about yes. three weeks ago. But um, I've, I've never felt that feeling before. <laughs> Every time I, a dollar leaves my pocket it hurts. So I never feel like happy about it. But the, um, what I was thinking about was I've made some investments before, like, and I think what you'll realize as real estate investors, number, the first rule of money, Warren Buffett, right, is don't lose money. The second rule is don't ever forget the first rule, mm -hmm. which is don't lose money. So I've made, I've done deals before where I did very well, right? I've done deals before where I barely got out without losing. And I've done deals before where the plate got cleaned, right? Like it was a slam dunk. So slam dunk when you when you're first starting out like you're equating your hours and your output to the actual end uh the end reward right the return on your investment and sometimes when you clean the plate it's a really good deal the, like the hours it doesn't equate it's like you almost didn't work hard enough in your mind to get that money so don't let that um don't let that mindset when that money comes back to you don't let you don't don't think like you didn't do anything to earn it. You did, mm -hmm. right? There was a lot of things that led up to that. But a lot of times when you get that big chunk back, you're like, oh shit, it doesn't really add up. Like it's, you got extra. It's like, yeah. don't treat it like that. Treat it like you you worked for every dollar that came back. Yeah. And and don't get don't get reckless with well, it. Well, that way you'll average out hopefully on things that maybe you didn't do as well on. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's extreme. It's an extreme example. But yeah. it's why people who get handed, you know, a million dollars lose it almost every yeah. single time. Right. They didn't do literally anything to earn it. That's why it goes out. But like to them, it's like I did nothing to get this, this additional funds, however I want to spend it, whatever. And you can get caught up in that same game uh, when you do really good on deals. Absolutely. So that was treat your money like you worked hard for it, even gifts and investments, which is very, very true. Rule number 15. This one, I actually it took me a while to understand this. Um, and I think I've heard you explain it before, so I may have you explain this All one because right. I think you can well, but it's to never work for the same dollar twice. My favorite example in this work for the same dollar twice is I have a couple, but the one you'll understand the best if you've ever thought about flipping a home before, great idea, great way to make money. Uh, no, no, you know, no objections there. However, if you're a real estate agent, let's just think about this. You go out, you're, you know, you're doing your dials. You're obviously listening to the house of agents podcast. So you're a rock star. You're <laughs> killing it. You're doing everything we, we're talking about and you have deals coming in. You start making commissions and then you go look at an investment. 
and it's a single family home that you know you can rehab and you could go sell it for more. You can make a, you can make 20, 30 grand, 50 grand, whatever. So you take the money that you already went and worked for. You already spent time, blood, sweat, and tears to get those clients and get them to the closing table. You then took those commissions and then you went and purchased a home. You bought that home, but what you really did was also bought another job because most times you're thinking of what's the most cost-effective way for me to do this and it's to uh, it's for me to do it myself. It's for me to do the rehab. So mm-hmm. then five o'clock, six o'clock ends, you're done with showings. You got to get over to this other house. And unless you physically use your time, energy and resources, uh, to that other project, you will not make a dollar again. So what you're doing is you're taking $1 and you're putting it in another bucket and you're having to go work for that same dollar again, mm-hmm. right? Opposed to if you were to buy, you were to, you were to make your commissions, take that money, buy the passive income and keep it passive, spend as least amount of time with it possible or hire a contractor again if the number's pencil that does the work for you so you physically don't have to go put another dollar at risk and then have to, because if you don't do it, you will lose it. You have to go work again for that other dollar. Mm -hmm. So you're just almost creating another job for yourself. And like I've done this with property management. I've done this with other things where you take the money you made and you're like, oh, now I'm a freaking business mogul because I know <laughs> how to sell real estate. I got a hundred grand. I'm going to start a property management company. Yeah. I'm going to start flipping homes. You let's, think that's the best way to duplicate? Yeah, let's, really, do, let's do wholesale. Like I got this market on lock, you know? Yeah. Like, and the next thing you know, like you're just literally taking your dollars and throwing them back out there and having to go rework for them to come for them to come back yeah so just a a way the most common examples that i've seen is that yeah that was a great example and very applicable i think most people can understand or relate to that one all right rule number 16 is to manage and adapt your budget monthly now i definitely agree with like managing and adapting your finances monthly i don't personally love the word budget um but everyone makes that work for themselves some people live off a very strict like i can't spend an extra 15 cents in my food category this month because I'm already headed towards the max of that. Um, Some people don't do anything in terms of a budget. And so I think it's good to have some degree of like a happy medium. But regardless, it's manage and adapt your finances on a monthly basis. And again, this is like just having awareness. I, I always love the phrase that what gets inspected or gets, yeah, what gets inspected gets respected. And so it's like the more that we actually spend time with a magnifying glass, looking at the little stuff, paying attention to, do I have a subscription I don't need? Did something, you know, charge double, whatever it may be, having more awareness around that helps you to keep it under control. And uh, I think if you don't do that, it's very easy for that to quickly get out of control. And then all of a sudden, you don't realize that you've got an extra couple hundred couple thousand dollars a month that that were you know going to things that you didn't need and and that definitely adds up over time agreed i got that i'm on the same page on that one all right number 17 is to know your numbers i guess that's pretty similar but definitely comes down to both personal side business side all around you have to understand where you start in order to get closer to the goals that you have and you have to have a good awareness of you know what's coming in what's going out um, I think we've talked about it before in terms of like profit and loss in your business too, that a lot of times people like to only really look at that sexy number, that that number of what's coming in. And if you're not properly knowing where it's also going out and if that's coming back as additional money in, uh, that it can it can easily, you know, cancel each other out. Here's quickly. the bottom line. When you know your numbers, you know, you'll you'll figure out how to grow your numbers. 
that's that's the most simple know him to grow him. yeah that's the simplest way to put it and a lot of times unfortunately just the reality is that the way you learn is by going through some hardship then all of a sudden you yeah. start you have to look at the numbers right so don't wait till a hardship because there's probably a good, a good chance you can avoid hardship if you know your numbers up front but yeah they're going to matter when they start getting low and you have to start paying attention to them you're like uh oh there's not money in the account anymore yeah. what happened yeah right so it's easier to catch it when you see it starting to happen yeah. rather than trying to pull yourself out of a situation when you're really in the hole yeah uh, it's like a big bear on the hill. It's, yeah. it's fun to look at. It's over on the other canyon. You're looking with your binox. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> it's obviously very <laughs> dangerous, right? And it's a whole other situation to be at the campfire and look over and it's walking into your camp. Yeah. Don't wait till the bears walk into your camp to, to show, to give it respect. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I say bear, it's like bear market, bull market. You get it. Oh, so cute. bear. Yeah. Uh, don't know if you caught that, but, um, yeah, that, that's the easiest way to think about it. Um, if you want to grow, you got to know your numbers. Yeah, I definitely love that. Bottom it's line. very important to have awareness of that. Um, 18, we did mention this a little bit already, but if it sounds too good to be true, it is that it's rule number 18 on the rules of money could not be more true. My rule on that is I just kind of something I've learned over the years Anytime somebody gives me an, a dollar amount of like a return or something like that, I always cut it in half. So, oh, I will get you 8% return. Okay, cool. 4%. Am I going to be happy with 4%? Oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to make $50,000 in this flip. Okay. If I made $25,000, would I be happy about this? Yeah. Um, because more times than not, I'm closer to the 50% mark yeah. from what other people have told, you know, if I'm investing in other things. So just keep that in mind. But I agree with that 100%. Yeah, that's a good general rule of thumb. And I think that... Um, you know, obviously being in sales, you understand two certain things that, that, that you talk about and the way you're really trying to cast the vision and paint this picture for people. Some take it way too far in, in that side of things. Um, but it's about like having awareness of being able to yep. manage your own expectations because you ultimately, you can't manage or control what other people tell you as far as expectations. You can always manage your own expectations. So I like that rule of thumb of like cut it in half and would I still be okay with that mm -hmm. and happy with that? If so, probably proceed with caution. And if whole, when wholesalers tell you their numbers, how many transactions yeah. they do, divide it by three. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> All right. Number 19. We're almost there. We are getting to the end here. Number 19. Rule number 19 is inform yourself of how taxes work and pay accordingly. Yep. Um, best advice I can give on tax situation is get into a situation where you're paying quarterly. Um, the money that you pay can get refunded. Like that's not, so don't worry about that. Like, oh, if I, I don't want to pay too much, like pay too much at the end of the year, get a, get a rebate back, right? And when your taxes are filed. But from a cash flow management perspective, you do not want to be like, I've been in the situation before, luckily have been fine, like able to pay tax bill in full. But there's a lot of people who aren't. And it's, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's business ebbs and flows, right? It's cash flow management. So get on quarterly. Um, and really start to understand the way that the money flows through the tax system mm -hmm. um, and and talk and be and be proactive. Because remember, once that new year on December 31st changes, right, goes into the next year, like that was your shot for write offs and things that you needed to do in that tax year. That was mm -hmm. it. So just being extremely proactive about your tax bill and not thinking about it once in a good CPA, you'll yeah. get on to plan. You'll get on a plan. You'll have a meeting quarterly, like, but just getting really involved with that because right now you're like, oh, my tax bill. I'm not even going to get taxed because I'm in a, you know, if you're making less than a hundred thousand dollars of commission, your net is so low, like you're not even going to pay taxes basically. 
when you start getting into the different tax brackets, the 25s, the 32s, the 35%, so on and so forth, it adds up to a lot. Yeah. And so you want to make sure you're proactive about it. But yeah, I, that number for a lot of time, a lot of people doesn't matter till you start making money. But the same thing, what we talked about prior is that like, don't wait until that time 100%. to be in a bad situation, be extremely proactive and know how to manage those increases. Cause you'll know if you did a hundred grand commissions last year, and then you're on track for 350, you're going to have a different tax year. Mm -hmm. So when you see you're on track, it's time to start planning on how you're going to avoid. And I'm assuming you want to avoid at least legally avoid yes. as much taxes yeah. as possible. Right. So it just be super proactive. Yes. I could harp yeah. on that for hours. Yeah. And with that, I mean, again, depends on your situation, but I highly don't recommend just doing your own taxes on like TurboTax or something. No. I have friends who are still doing that and it blows my mind. One of the best decisions I ever made was working with a CPA, especially a good one. And then continue to also like educate yourself and seek out that knowledge and stuff Correct. like that. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yep. Don't be afraid to dig into things, have them explain stuff. If you yep. see something or a strategy that you mm -hmm. want to see if would work for you, like bring those kind of things up because obviously a good CPA or tax preparer is going to be someone who's proactive in helping you find ways um, yep. to save and, and avoid those things. But also, you know, you own a, a bit of that responsibility too. And you want to make sure that you don't completely leave that in someone else's hands or someone else's control entirely or else, you know, you may be missing out on opportunities. So well, that you're the is, one you're the one holding the bag in the day. Yeah. And don't be afraid to switch. If you have someone but you're like, oh, but thinking about the hassle if yeah. you know you need to switch and move on to somebody else it is completely okay to outgrow yeah with someone you're with or just need a different opinion or a different you know whatever it might be level of professionalism yeah. do not be afraid to switch 100 make it happen all right and rule number 20 we are down to our final two rules rule number 20 is to never rely on just one source of income I want to talk on this real quick because I obviously could not agree more. I think it's really, really important that you do have multiple streams of income. However, but wait, Tessa, uh, on average, the average millionaire, millionaire has, has seven streams of income. Th a thousand streams of income. Yeah, that's like that phrase circulates the internet. Like it is by far that's one of the things bad. that pisses me off more than just about anything that I see as far as advice online because it's so often misinterpreted and then what people go and do and they go again to all these shiny objects but then what they go and do is they create seven jobs for themselves that yeah. they're doing very poorly and so now you're actually not maximizing the income that you can make from probably any one of those sources and ultimately you may end up making less than you would have had you just focused on Correct. one source of income so i do agree with this because you definitely don't want to be in a position where all of a sudden that one stream of income could go away for whatever reason it could be economic changes it could be legal reasons it could be that you broke your leg and it's a whole lot harder to go and you know knock doors whatever it may be you know, you never know the the changes that can happen. And so it is important to build, like look at your finances as that stool and make sure that you don't just have one leg of a stool, but you've got, you know, a couple of things that can keep you elevated in sense of your financial, uh, you know, 
comfort level, but just be very, very cautious that that does not mean that I'm going to go try and start 18 different projects and distract myself. And so when it comes to additional sources of income, definitely looking at ones that are actually passive, that don't require your time, effort, or energy are incredible. I know you're probably going to mention investing in real estate again, because it is a great way to do it. Um, second, second to that is look at things that are like ancillary offers of what you're already doing and finding ways that you could potentially maximize the effort or content or time or contacts, people that you're already working with, uh, you know, to further monetize that lead more than one time. If you've got a database of people, is there a way that you could monetize some of those contacts in another way? Maybe it's through referring them to some credit repair. You know what I mean? So that's, we could do a whole episode on that, which actually might be a great one. Um, But just make sure that you don't create a bunch of jobs for yourself as your multiple streams of income. Yeah. Um, my advice on that one, which I agree with it is just keep the main thing, the main thing, um, be keep known that main thing thing. And yeah, be known for that. Yeah. What your main thing is where the bulk of your income comes from. Um, that's no problem. Again, delayed gratification while it looks shiny and looks fun. Like keep, keep on the, on the, uh, the path that got you even to that point in the first place. And like you said, there are strategic alignments out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have to look at like, what can I do? to make more money doing what I was already going to do in the first place. 100%. Right. And now sure there could be some slight variations, but the, the, the least amount you have to come off of that dial, right? The least amount you have to deviate the better. Um, and, and maybe for passive income sakes, right? Like, you know, start there. What income can I do? What, what income can I build without having to change the course of what I already do day to day? Pick a number. And if it doesn't get you closer at number, don't do it. Like if it's five grand a month, passive income, great find things that are going to five grand a month are going to help you get there that you don't have to change what you've already been doing. Now, I think a toddler can be a successful real estate investor personally. Um, You really can't screw that one up. Um, But again, you know, and you said I'd bring that up, but that's, I think that's like the no brainer because it's what you study all day. It's just wild to me that people don't, but hey. Whatever. Was that 21 or 20? No, that was 20. We got our last and final rule, the 21 rules of money, which is to spend your time earning money until you can spend your money earning time, which I absolutely love this. I've always explained passive income as there's two real buckets that you can fill when it comes to passive income, and that's built or bought. So you can build your own streams of passive income or you can buy it, which can assist you in shortcutting that process. Um, Again, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about is as building passive income, you want to make sure that wasn't deterring from a lot of the, the energy that you spent on what's creating your active income income. Um, But I just think it is really important to understand that, you know, you're going to spend that time generating money, generating revenue. And then it's important to make sure that you're taking that money and putting it into things that can help you buy back your time. So whether that is through investments and things, or it's looking at ways that you can maximize your time, and maybe it's outsourcing more of the work that you do during the day. Maybe it's like finding ways, um, you know, to eliminate certain tasks that you've taken on your place 
template, pass them to other people, outsource, delegate, those kind of things can help you a lot in getting back your time, which I guarantee your dollar per hour of what your time and effort and knowledge is worth. You're probably spending a large chunk of time throughout your day, more so than you realize, on things that are low dollar an hour tasks. And ultimately, you have to kind of sway that the other direction. So yeah, I think you build your career trading your time for money, then you trade your money for time, right? That's basically what it's saying. Um, I agree with that and do more things that, um, you know, get you to that, that number. And I think it's just like, as much, it's all cash, right? It's all cash flow. It's all comes back down to like, I hear people that will say, and I've been there too. Like I want to invest in passive income. Well, fuck, I don't have any income. I personally love this one. I think that it is so important because, uh, obviously we know that time is that thing we cannot get more of no matter how much money you have in the world. But what you can do is definitely get a lot more like, uh, resourceful with the money that you have in order to recapture some of your time, whether that's through outsourcing, of course, investing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just being really smart with the way that you manage that money. Uh, but initially you have to start earning more of it in order to be able to do that. So I think that that's a great rule of thumb and something to remind yourself of. It kind of rounds out everything we've talked about here For today sure. with like focus first and foremost on those things that uh, can earn you the most money so that you can, you know, buy back as much of that time. And I, I say buy back in terms of like, again, delegating, outsourcing, those kinds of things. But at the same time, it, it really ties into your example you gave earlier, which was about, um, you know, a lot of times in the, our earlier years of life, we spend too much of our money trying to look cool or sound cool or, you know, just not yep. thinking about how to set ourselves up for those later years in life. I think that this applies to that as well, because if you spend your earlier years really trying to build a strong foundation, build true streams of income for yourself, then at the end of the day, you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor much more down the road. Yeah, for sure. I always like the um, the saying, trade your time for money and then your money for time. And I think that I love these like overarching 30,000 foot frameworks where you can like maybe be in the trenches or maybe you're just in those, like you know how it is selling real estate at a high level. It's challenging, but just knowing like this is why I'm doing this is I'm going to be as profitable as I, profitable as I possibly can take that income invest it into assets and, and, and investments that do not require my time and in the future I'll be trading my uh, my money for time and then my time for money ultimately yeah um, I love that I think that's also a perfect like last rule from these 21 yeah. rules of money I think it rounds out the whole concept really well everything that we've talked about so I hope that that everyone got as much from these 21 rules of money as we have yep. throughout our lives I know we've both known of and followed these for quite some time so again to kind of round it out I would encourage you guys to not only write these down but then also like adjust them accordingly to your lifestyle um, like we talked about with that first rule that was the seven 20 10 percentages maybe that those numbers look different for you and just kind of outline what that truly looks like and then make sure that you know you actually live by those rules that you've outlined for yourself if you've got business partners spouses friends like people in your life i think it's important to get everyone somewhat on the same page with that kind of stuff uh can one way to to break your rules of money real quick is if you have somebody with uh, opposing actions or beliefs around any of that stuff so um definitely like shout it from the rooftops those are important things to live by and i think that it will greatly greatly help a lot of people 
and if you listen this far, let us know if you like the one, two, three, you know, 21 rules. I mean, we have tons of content like that, that we can go, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and all different types of subjects. Yeah. So I, like I love a good format, bullet point. Yeah. Personally, that's my favorite kind of content, but we do want to hear more of what you guys want from us, what you guys like to hear. I appreciate you all listening so much. That does conclude this episode. Uh, so wherever you're tuning in, please make sure that you like, subscribe, share, follow, comment, all of, all of the different things that you do on all the different platforms. Uh, and if you're listening to this, just audio also remember that we do have this show on YouTube with a video version, which is fun to tune into. And sometimes uh, you get to see all of Ramon's crazy hand movements and all kinds of stuff when he's talking. So gives a little extra pizzazz to the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. We'll see ya. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We sure do appreciate it. Given us already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. It is how new people find the show. Until next time, friends.